this week on Talking Back, Dean threatens to quit unless we talk about his favorite movie of all time, Alien. Talking Back. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back. Thanks for joining us for our new episode. And this episode, we're going to be talking about the movie Alien. I'm your host, Tim, and with me, as usual in studio, is co-host Dean. Dean, how's it going? Great. You dropped the part-time. Well, I did drop the part-time because today we got something a little bit different for you. Uh We're going to make you the actual host of this episode. I'm going to drive it. I'm the driver. So I I am going to be the part-time co-host this episode. Okay. Yeah. And the reason for that is because this film, Alien, you have let me know is your favorite movie of all time. It is my favorite. It's my, uh, it's my goat. It's my greatest of all time. Yeah. And that's a hella big claim to make. It is. For a movie. For any movie. It is. So... We're here today. I thought, you know what? Let's have you host the episode, convince us, change our minds. Great. It's not my number one. <laughs> Great. Okay. It's, Great. I, I love it. Yeah. It's high up there for me, yeah. but it is your number one. So thought we'd try something a little bit different and let you host. Yeah, host that the show. Sounds, sounds great. I'm feeling the pressure because you always oh. do such a great job of oh, hosting. No so I'm going to try to try to do do just as good a job. We, nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> we have no listeners as of yet. So uh, it doesn't really matter what we do here. Yeah. One, one thing I think um, if people do start listening, the thread that they will sort of pick up between episode to episode is just how hot we are feeling in uh, this room. I didn't want to bring it up, but <laughs> it might be the hottest I think ever, this, ever. Today, this recording is the maximum heat. Yeah. It is a nighttime recording. Yes. And it has been over 30 degrees all day. All day. And the studio is at maximum temperature. It's right been now. heating up. It's been heating up. I have before on a similar day brought a meat thermometer up here <laughs> to test the levels. Yeah. And it was it was thirty seven degrees Celsius, which okay. is I think that's around high nineties Fahrenheit. Right. Maybe maybe a hundred. Uh, it's We're right close to that right now. It's interesting you say meat thermometer because I feel like I'm like cooking. I feel like I'm yeah. a piece of meat cooking mm-hmm. right now. Well, the outer layer of skin is cooking. Yeah. <laughs> it's for a, sure. It's actually a little hard to breathe up here. It's it's hard, it's stuffy, it's hot. Uh but I think that's a great environment for this movie. Oh yeah. I feel like Exactly. It I feel like they all looked sweaty mm-hmm. and hot they on that ship. They were very sweaty and hot on that ship. So I, I feel like Similar to our, our uh, Annihilation episode, which was, again, it was a very hot yeah. evening podcast, yeah. but we were in the jungles and it felt right. Yeah. This just feels right. For sure. The, I, it's one thing when I was watching the movie um, for the millionth time for this podcast, um, where I was like, really noticed how sweaty everyone gets. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. They, they just let those characters Warm. get sweaty. Yeah, yeah. They get sweaty. Which is like something... I mean, if you if you watch like a Marvel movie, there's always fight scenes. Mm. People don't sweat. That's like right. Captain America does not break a sweat. Yeah, it's a little odd. Yeah. Um, well, that's one of the beauties of this movie. I think yeah. is how realistic it actually is. For sure. For a fairly unrealistic side. One of the reasons that's my favorite of all time. Okay. Great. Then, let's get right into it. Yeah, let's do it. So let's do our bit, a little bit of a background here. Mm-hmm. So the movie was released May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy nine. And that makes this year its 40th anniversary. 
Yeah, exactly. 2019, so happy 40th Alien. The budget for this movie, $11 million. Mm-hmm. What a budget, hey? $11 million. Yeah. pull this movie off with $11 million? Yeah. It seems amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, great, great return on that. Grossed $105 million. Uh, that was worldwide. Yes. And I'm just going to... Yeah, step in here. Just I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to hold the reins of the host just for the background portion, and then yeah. we'll hand it off to you. But feel free to jump in at any time. I'm just going to jump in so I don't have to backtrack to this. Um, that's those are great numbers you just said. 11 million for the budget and grossed over 100 million. What a return this movie had. Um, but Fox wanted Star Wars type numbers, mm. and so they claimed that this movie didn't make them any money. They claimed that there was no profit at all. Hmm. And the the sort of um, sub-production company um, underneath Fox that was actually, they were called Brandywine. They were the ones who were sort of um, driving the movie and wanted to drive a sequel. Uh, they took them, they, they had a lawsuit. They had a lawsuit with Fox saying that they were lying about their profit hmm. because they wanted the funding for the second one. They were ready to go for the second one. Right. And they said, this is a great movie. You, mm-hmm. you can't just say it didn't make you money. It was a great movie. It made you money. We want you to give us money for the second one. Um, and they uh, they won that lawsuit and were able to get funding for the second movie. I just think it's interesting that Fox is... Yeah. No, it didn't make... They initially said that they lost money on the movie. Wow. Well, that's a lie. That's I, You just you just said it was 10 times what they made in the box it office, was. the budget. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know what? Sometimes and, making $90 million just isn't enough. Yeah. It doesn't seem <laughs> right. like a win. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyways, continue on. Sure. So it opened to uh, 757 theaters, uh, which is fairly small for for an opening. Um, I, I compared that to the most recent Alien film, Alien Covenant, mm-hmm. which opened to uh, 3,772. Yeah. So far more theaters. And it grossed $240 million worldwide. Yeah. So it should have been on pace to do... In the amount of theaters, it should have done what, five times it, right? That's it right, done, five it times. It should have done 500 million. That's right. It did half that. That's right, it did half that. Yeah. So that shows you how great the opening was for Alien. Yeah. So and, it, was, and we, it was really well received. We had this talk before, um, sort of about box office numbers, because I'm really interested in them, and you were kind of saying they don't really matter. And we had this talk that, kind of something I've never thought about. I'm, I've always thought about inflation. Be like, okay, yeah, let's take the number that they made back in the day. And let's like work in ticket prices, how they've inflated, and see what they would have made now. But you brought up the point that they used to open in way less theaters. Yeah, it was way harder to go see a movie than it is now. Way less theaters. I'm sure way less movie times. Yeah, like a movie opens now, you can see it at eleven fifty-five or noon or one fifty-five or sure. two or three thirty yeah. or four or six thirty or seven or exactly. nine thirty or ten, yeah. all in the same day. Yeah, uh, across thousands of theaters, where I'm sure back in the day. Maybe, I don't know, so I'm just speculating, but maybe there was an afternoon show, yeah. and then maybe two evening shows. Right. Maybe. Maybe there's just one show per day. Who knows? Yeah. But the opportunity to gross the numbers that are are being, you know, hit right now wasn't there. It was yeah. a different time. So so this this movie getting, you know, 100 million at the box office on 700 screens. Like, if you think about, um, like, Star Wars at that time also did more than that. Like, Star Wars is insane, the yeah. amount of money it made at that time. Mm. Um, and now you think of Endgame, which is now the, you know, number one grossing film of all time. It just passed Avatar, I think, this past weekend. Um, 4,000 theaters. 
right? It opens in 4,000 theaters. And we're talking about movies that open in 500 to 700 theaters mm -hmm. that are making this insane amount of money once you put in inflation. It's, it, it, it's close to those numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of, you swayed me with that argument about the theaters that, you know what, yeah, these numbers, they're interesting. I'm a math guy, so that's why I find them interesting. But really, you gotta, you can't really just take the figure. Yeah. You know, you gotta think about that. You gotta take everything into consideration. And yeah. they open in way less theaters. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, this movie goes on to win the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and is nominated for Best Art Direction. And I it agree. Gets, yes, totally. It, winning that Oscar is incredible. Yeah, like, it is what, incredible. What for a, for great, a film like that to win? What a great feat for this movie. This is a horror movie and a sci-fi movie. Yeah. You do not see those types of movies nominated at all. Interesting fact. No actor, actress, supporting actress, supporting actress nominations. But Aliens, Sigourney Weaver gets a best supporting, or sorry, a best actress nomination for Aliens, the sequel, mm -hmm. which I think is a makeup for this movie. Could be. They do that. Yeah. She's great in that movie. Yeah. But this movie, she's mm -hmm. fantastic. Like, this is her movie. Yeah. This is what makes her a star. And I feel like they missed, they, they realized they missed the ball on that one. And that's why Aliens, she gets the nomination. Because she does such a great job in it that they say, yeah. you know, she's done two in a row now. We got to throw it to her. Which yeah. I think they do. The, the Academy tends to do that. I, yeah. I'd say a great example of that is Leonardo DiCaprio, where he should have won numerous times numerous before times. he finally won. For sure. So not not to take anything away from his win, it was great. For Wasn't his best performance. It wasn't his best, in, in my opinion, no. Yeah. No. Okay, so a uh, movie I'm sure everyone is aware of was directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, great director. He goes on to direct Blade Runner, Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, Prometheus, The Martian, mm -hmm. uh, Alien Covenant, uh, among many others. And he goes on to be nominated for Best Director three times for Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, and Black Hawk Down. So right. very successful. Yeah. Very successful guy. It's great. I love those films. They're great, yeah. I had all those written down on my page right now, too. I, I love Ridley ones, Scott. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'll watch movies just that have his name on it. For sure. Uh, an example is uh, the movie The Counselor. Have you seen that movie? I haven't, no. I only watched it because he directed it. And while it's not, you know, it's, it's nothing to write home about, I really enjoyed it. There are some really good things in that, in that film and some really, really neat writing. So okay, if you yeah. haven't seen it, I recommend seeing for it. For sure, yeah. Um, you know, it's the, it, I'm not really rushing to see it again, but yeah. it's been a few years and I, I, I think I could watch it again. Yeah. Uh, but that was an interesting movie. And, and, for sure. You know, I even, liked it. Even some movies where you'll see sort of the trailer, you might even start watching the movie and be like, you know, this this is interesting. I didn't know that like what this was about. And you might find out that really Scott directed it. I had that experience with Matchstick Man. I, was, I threw it in. And was just kind of watching the movie and I was like, this is movie's weird. Like, there's something off about this movie, but like in sort of a way that's interesting and sort of a way yeah. that catches my attention, you know? Mm -hmm. And I went and, you know, looked it up and I was like, oh, Ridley Scott, I didn't even know. And it's just, he, he he's has his, this. He's got fingerprints. He yeah, I would say match, with Matchstick Men, he has a, I don't know if he wrote it, but I, I would say he doesn't have a great script to work with mm -hmm. in that movie. Like, I don't think the movie is like, you know, just like a, a tight movie. That's the same with The Counselor. Okay, but like you just you're watching it and you're like, 
I like what I'm watching. It. Yeah. Like, but like, it's it's pulling me in. Yeah. And it was interesting to find out, like, oh yeah, it's really Scott. He's exactly. got such a wide range. He's got such a yep. wide range of movies that he does. Yep. Yep. So the story was by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. Mm-hmm. So they wrote it together. But Dan O'Bannon went on to do the screenplay by himself. And yeah, that, and he gets he gets he gets most credit for it. Okay. Yeah, I'll let you get into that yeah. a little bit more. Uh, but uh, it's funny to to hear that O'Bannon was actually working as a computer animator on the Star Wars film in 1977, but wasn't enjoying it and decided to leave to pursue his dream of writing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he was on you know Star Wars, which came out just a year before this one. Very interesting. Yeah. And I believe. Alien was Fox's answer or counterpunch to Star Wars. They were looking for a big sci-fi hit of their own, mm-hmm. so they wanted to, to get something out. So, yeah, he was working on that movie on Star Wars and, and left. But he didn't have a, as much success as Ridley Scott did in, in his future writing journey. The, the best credit that I was able to come up with for him was co-writer of Total Recall. So he went on to do maybe 20 movies, but none of them were, were real, you know, big home runs. Yeah. Um, but but that's fine. Um, yeah. So, you know what? At this point, I think I'm going to kick it over to you um, and you can uh, lead the way for the rest of this. Yeah. Uh, Tim, that's a great spot to throw it over here because um, I've got that whole Dan O'Bannon, Ronald Shusett story for you. Um, because well, hit me with it. Yeah, because the thing is, like Ridley Scott, we know Ridley Scott's a great director, and this is only his second film. So of course, this film puts him on the map, um, and he goes on to do great things. He goes on to, um, you know, be nominated for multiple Academy Awards. His films win Best Picture. Um, he's probably the most accomplished commercial director. I don't know if you knew that. Um, before this, he directed that Apple commercial from 1984 that played in the Super Bowl. Really? He yeah. Well, he directed no that he commercial. Did commercials. Yeah. No so that's idea. what he was doing before he got into movies. Okay. So I think a commercial director um, knows how to say something in a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, which, when I kind of fired this movie up and was ready to watch it again was kind of surprised it was under two hours i mean like uh, two hours is a long time for a movie and a lot of time to say things in Mm -hmm. but they get a lot across they just even though they're taking their time every kind of moment in it counts and Mm -hmm. i think that commercial director kind of has some sort of advantage to be able to get across exactly what he means Mm -hmm. with just a short scene or, or something short yeah um well, it's interesting if I could just yeah. interject for a second. Do, because I have uh, a lot of things to say and I want you to jump in so I don't feel like I'm talking okay. the whole time. <laughs> okay, great. So I think the story of this movie, jumping ahead a little bit, I mm-hmm. think the story, you could do this movie as a short. Mm-hmm. This The story could be conveyed of this movie in a 15-minute short. But what is so great about it is that it's not. It's 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 an hour and... 50 minutes long yeah that there's so much in there that is is not really story related it's almost more atmospheric it's those quiet moments or the moments where there isn't a lot happening that are that make this movie what it is definitely i'm jumping ahead a little bit there but i just wanted to interject definitely so yes we know ridley scott is great but as you mentioned the writer on this film is dan o'bannon 
and he teamed Danny up. O. Danny O. We're calling him Danny O from now on. It's Danny O. <laughs> Danny. He's known on the set as Danny the O. The writer. I, know, I made that up. But. <laughs> Danny O and Ronald Shusett, um, they are the heroes of this film. Ridley Scott comes in and does a like a fine job with their script, but they, both of them, are the heroes of this film. Um, and so I'm going to start kind of at the beginning for Dan O'Brien, because I think it, or sorry, Dan O'Bannon. Dan o, if you just called him Danny O, you wouldn't have had that. <laughs> I know. Out. Okay, I got to keep going. Um, Danny O, I think, has sort of uh, a very interesting career that got him to this point, and he thought he was going to be able to direct this movie. Oh. And I think his life would have been a lot different if he got to direct this movie. Interesting. Um, and so we'll, I'll let you know how he got to that point. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, he had only written one movie before Alien. It was called Dark Star, and it was actually with John Carpenter. Yes. Um, but this was uh, a student film that when they were at the University of Southern California. So okay. he wrote that film when he was in university. Budget was $60,000. They, they had an alien in the film. It was a spray-painted beach ball. I heard that that was a fairly bad movie. Yes. But I think at the time, I think it was, it, it, it kind of hit, I think, because. For sure. Um, yeah. The, when I mentioned before that Alien was Fox's counterpunch to Star Wars, it was actually Star Wars and Dark Star that okay. had already come out. Yeah. And they wanted to have their own studio sci-fi hit. Yeah. So. It makes sense because, because Dark Star had done some interesting things even though it's a small budget and it's just a like i think it was just their student film it it has a lot to say even though there's a beach ball that's spray painted as the alien like mm -hmm. the effects are no good and that's why it's sort of like oh this movie's not good but there's things in it that sort of made o'bannon stand out mm -hmm. that's really um, interesting that o'bannon at that time wrote these two movies yeah that kind of had a had a part of setting off the sci-fi genre totally sounds very talented yeah that's what that's why i want to kind of shed the light on him because yeah. this guy's the hero of the movie okay this is great yeah um so after that film after um dark star he really wanted to do an alien film where the alien looked real because he had he had this low budget so that's what he put his mind to he put his mind to writing another movie with an alien but now we're going to try to get like a budget for it it's good i'm going to try to get uh a, a bigger budget to make a, a horror movie with something scary you know there's no one scared of a beach ball yeah <laughs> um so he he figured he was going to write a script about um a spaceship with a small number of astronauts on it it's going to be a horror um and that's kind of his first idea and so meanwhile uh Shusit is working on a script that would eventually become total recall and he was impressed with O'Bannon's work on Dark Star. So he contacted him and they agreed to help each other on their movies. Okay, so, so you mentioned Shuset did Total Recall. So they must have teamed up again for Total Recall then. Exactly. So they decided, hey, you work on my movie and I'll work on your movie. Okay. So they, they kind of made a, an agreement at that point that... Um, we'll help each other. Yeah. So so O'Bannon was working on Alien. Shuset was working on Total Recall, and they agreed, you know, I like what you're doing, you like what I'm doing, let's team up for both of them, hmm. let's do Alien first, because you're further along. Okay. So, O'Bannon was, had something already, yeah. and uh, Shuset was in the early processes of Total Recall. Great, I'm so, loving this. Yeah, this so that's, that's how they team up. So, they start with O'Bannon's script, which is 29 pages, it's titled Memory, 
and it's a crew of astronauts who awaken from their voyage and it's been their voyage has been interrupted because they are receiving a signal from a mysterious planetoid um, they investigate and their ship breaks down on the surface that's it that's all he has he has no idea what the alien looks like um, he, he doesn't know really what the antagonist is going to be um, but we can see already that memory is the opening mm-hmm. to alien. But I'll tell you what he's got there so far is sweet fuck all. Yeah. <laughs> he's got right. I've probably written 30 stories right. and gotten that far and then they they're, that's it. All, that's all I have. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He has this opening, but there's more he needs, right? He, needs, he, he, he has needs an the, idea. The other 95% of the movie. Yes. He has the idea. So this is sort of where he is on his script, but then he gets an offer to work with Alejandro Jordowski, Jordowski, Jodorowski. <laughs> we always say things. We always say That's names. A really long name. We always say names incorrectly on this podcast. I apologize. Alejandro Jodorowski. I think that's it. Okay. Um, who's working on an adaptation of Dune, and he gets a job on this movie again because of Dark Star. Okay. Everyone's taking notice of it. Um, that project fell through. That movie didn't happen. Um, but it introduced O'Bannon to several artists mm-hmm. who were working on Dune, which is H.R. Geiger, which actually, I think it's Giger. I think it might be Giger. Yeah, so I think it's H.R. Giger. So let's um, get this one right. Let's yeah, just do... It's Giger. Let's do... Let's get one right. Our fans that don't exist. Let's do them a justice here and get one name right one time. Giger. Let's see if we can say... H.R. Giger this whole podcast. Because I call him Geiger yeah. all the time. I've never called him Giger. And I think it's Giger. It is, I think it is Giger. Yeah. I think you're right. Okay, so he gets introduced to Giger and Mobius. Do you know Mobius? I do know Mobius, yeah. Comic book. Fr- famous French artist. Yes, famous yes. French artist. So he meets these guys on Dune. Cool. And But, you know, Dune's shut down. So uh, after that project has failed... Why did he, Dune shut down? Do you know? Uh, like Not sure. Like Dune was a movie that was released. Did, did it just get delayed? And I then think they, yeah, I think it just what? stalled. Yeah, and I mean, then they all went their separate ways, and then it picked up later. Because I did hear that a lot of, um, well, I don't know a lot, but some of the set for Alien were set pieces from Dune. Interesting. Yeah, they they used a lot of Dune set pieces. Because honestly, there's really... not there's probably not a lot of sci-fi movies going around at that time. Yeah. So. Well, another one that's going with their sets, they probably did. Yeah. So that yeah. that's that makes sense. So after O'Bannon's sort of off that project because it's not going anywhere, he shacks up with Shusit. They live in Los Angeles together. It's time to work on memory. It's time to work on the script they got and uh, try to make this into a movie. So now their now their team up that they agreed on is you know they're they're gonna they're gonna go for it. So they decide that the second half of the film has to be this alien life form back on the spaceship killing all the crew. So they got the first half. They wake up and they have to go to this planet. And they know the second half has to be coming back and being on the spaceship. Um, and at this point, we've talked about this before. The movie is called Star Beast. They've changed it to be called Star Beast. The title is Star Beast. Yeah, yeah. So which from... I kind of like. I'm like, I'm <laughs> right. kind of down with that. Star Beast. It makes a lot of sense, right? It's it's actually really funny because you got like if we're talking about a response to Star Wars, you have Star Wars. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but I'm doing a horror movie. That's right. So it's Star, Star Beast. Beast. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 it's it, gonna it kill. Hits, it hits hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it hits, hits hard. hard. Um, I'm not hating that. Yeah. So they hated it. <laughs> they didn't like Star Beast. 
the, the name came up too many times in their script and they realized this is kind of dumb. Like, I, we don't really like, we're trying to make this, this script serious. Mm -hmm. We don't want to make this just some dumb horror movie. Mm -hmm. um, so we need something else. So mm -hmm. they quickly change it to Alien, which they like as sort of a noun and an adjective. They, they, they like it as um, actually an alien and actually something on the ship that is alien. Yeah, you, I, I heard something a little bit different from that. Mm -hmm. But what I heard was that they had titled it Star Beast. Actually, sorry, they didn't have a title for it mm -hmm. yet. So they were referring in the script to the alien as as the alien. And then they came up with the name Star Beast for this. And like you said, hated it. Yeah. And realized that for how many times Alien came up in the script, right. they actually loved the way that that sounded just straight up just alien right so they they decided you know what okay star beast is out this alien is all we need yeah that's enough so i think our stories kind of collide there in the middle where it's they have aliens said so many times and they're calling it star beast and then they're looking and saying for them. yeah do we change all these aliens to star beast no right so yeah let's go with this that sounds so good yeah let's go with alien it just sounds it sounds good. right yeah for, it sounded right so they loved it when they called it alien they loved it so now they got a script called alien they have two parts to it they have the opening where you know the distress call going to the planet and they have the closing with the alien on the ship yeah. they don't have the middle yet yeah. they don't have how that happens right how, how do you get the alien on yeah. the ship so shuset comes up with the idea that one of the crew members is going to be implanted with an alien embryo that would burst out of him he thought this would be an interesting plot device in which the alien could get aboard the ship. So I got a great quote from Shusit here, where he says, Dan put his finger on the problem. What, his, what has to happen next is that the creature has to get on the ship in an interesting way. I have no idea how, but if we could solve that, if we can't be just that he snuck in, then I think the movie would all come into place. In the middle of the night, I woke up and I said, Dan, I think I have an idea. The alien screws one of them. It jumps on his face and plants its seed. And Dan says, oh my God, we've got it. We've got the whole movie. What kind of an idea is that? So I'm just like, just picture this. You're, you're, you're with your buddy, your writing partner. He wakes up in the middle of the night and he turns to you and he says, the alien fucks one of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's his idea. His idea is that the alien has sex with someone. Right. And implants the seed. Yeah, I know. It's amazing that he woke up and he's excited about that <laughs> he idea. He was like, I'd, I have it. <laughs> I'd wake up in a full-on sweat, slightly less than how much I'm sweating right now, terrified, and I'd be like, wow, well, I'm going to put that in the back of my memory and not share that with anybody. Like, that was a weird that dream. That was a weird one. Yeah, we'll chalk that up to having too many drinks last night. Yeah, exactly. And we'll never but speak no. another word of this but that was the, yeah. the ceiling deal to, to their script That's this amazing. conversation actually went on much longer than just hey it should be jump on his face and implant the embryo it was actually started as hey this alien should there should be an alien on this ship it should have sex with one of them and then they bring it back onto the ship but they figured out a way that makes it work a little better um with the sort of with the entire feel of the movie where it didn't go too far into the uh extraterrestrial sex zone um yeah so that i just think that's that is it though that is one of the things that does crack this movie 
is getting that alien, that middle that middle part that gets the alien onto the ship. Oh, it's huge because what that whole part is is the face hugger, right? It's it's yes. it's them creating the face hugger, yeah, which is such a terrifying part of this movie. It's the most, terrifying. and without it, you lose so much. Yes, so so many scary moments. You lose so much. Um, I guess mystique behind the creature itself and and what it does. Yeah, uh, yeah I, become, I love it. You become a little generic, like a little bit like a generic movie where there's just yeah. an alien. It's not like he said. That's why Dan Dan O'Bannon is is such a genius in this moment. He he does. He says we can't just have them land and the aliens sneak on the ship. That's cheap. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. That's everybody's movie. There needs to be an interesting way that this alien gets on the ship and they crack it. And so this is the work that he's putting in to not just make a script, but make the script, like make the sci-fi movie. Um, so they got it. Like he says, I've, I, we've cracked it. We got it. They write the whole thing with the pitch of uh, Jaws in Space, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I had mentioned that one of when they were submitting the script yeah. for um, to, to try to get the movie green lit. Yeah. One of the writers had written on one of the pages. It's like Jaws, except in space. Yeah. And that was apparently one of the things that contributed to it getting greenlit. So yeah. I guess they had the vision for it. Like, okay, so you're going to make it like this kind of um, scary movie where there's killing and... Yeah, um, well, if we think of some of, the, loved. some of the main themes, um, some of the main things that make Jaws so amazing are, you know, we don't see the shark for so long. And right. I'm not going to get too much into Jaws here, but we don't see well, the shark. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. We, might be, we may be touching on Jaws soon. Maybe. Who knows? For anybody who wants to tune in, to continue tuning in. If we're talking about greatest movies of all time, you it know. It might be coming It up. might be one of them. might be coming up. Um, but yeah, you don't see the shark for so long. And you, the great, great thing about this movie, about Jaws, is you are, the, the three men on the second half of the movie are stuck on a boat in the ocean with the shark there's nothing they can do but face it yeah and that's exactly what alien is there's nothing that this crew can do but face this creature yeah they're isolated and kind of what's amazing about this creature is that if you attack it it's going to burn a hole in your ship yeah in your spaceship so there's there's almost nothing they can do you feel very helpless yeah you're just kind of stuck you're stuck where you are in close quarters which is what o'bannon wanted in the beginning he just wanted a spaceship with a small crew and like it's horror they're stuck there so yeah they they pitch it with jaws like with that note jaws in space um they present the script to studios and eventually signed with brandywine which i mentioned earlier um which is an affiliate of 20th century fox i want to make a quick point though because you touched on the acid blood Mm -hmm. and we're talking about danny o here danny o so the reason he came up with the idea of the alien bleeding acid Mm -hmm. and the reason he did was because he was looking for a reason why the crew couldn't just shoot the alien. Great. So another thing where he's looking like, there's a hole here. Like if I have an alien running around and nobody just shoots it and kills it, yeah. it's not going to be believable. Yeah. So he was looking for uh, a plot device so that the crew couldn't just shoot this alien. Yeah. And he came up with acid for blood. It's great. Yeah, I, it I just this morning, I was having a great conversation with my wife who was saying, okay, so we know that when you cut him, he bleeds acid, so you can't do that. And if you shoot him, he bleeds acid. You can't do that. But what happens to him in those moments? Like, what happens when he gets stabbed? Well, 
the blade just dissolves inside him, right? So it doesn't hurt him. If he gets shot, the bullet dissolves. So it's not he's not getting lead poisoning, right? There's, so it's it, it's well, not. We don't even, know. We don't know what that does, right? Right. Like, but if, if it's not even just that it's spilling out and is this like issue for the crew, but it's also that well, can anything actually hurt him inside if he's got this like horrible acid inside and he can contain that inside of himself inside that shell could anything even penetrate like could anything even get in and hurt him right well what we don't know and what we have to question is is that the alien's blood and right if they bleed out of acid are they dead yeah oh like we don't we just or don't is know it just that, like some right? sort of outer layer and there's stuff inside we sure yeah sure i mean what we yeah i won't, I won't say anymore Okay, so uh, we'll, we're almost through Danny O.B. here. Um, so uh, It's Danny O. It's not Danny right. O'Brien. You know why I it's went Danny O.B.? I like, kind of like Danny, Danny O.B., though. Pretty good. It's actually better than Danny O. I went with, um, I went with Kawhi Leonard calling the, uh, calling the um, NBA championship the Larry O.B. Oh, which is, is the, oh, the, which Larry the Lawrence O'Brien. O'Brien. The Larry O'Brien. <laughs> he calls it the Larry O.B., so I went with the... Uh, Danny O.B. Well, you know what? I'm going to allow it. Let's go Danny O.B. Yeah, I like Danny O.B. better. Danny O.B. Okay, so uh, Fox is actually... So Fox had, like, like uh, Brandywine buys this script. They they make a uh, they make a deal. There's three guys that work for Brandywine that want to rewrite this script constantly. Do you have any idea what they paid for the script? No. Because I know scriptwriters back at that time were severely underpaid. Totally. I know. I, I'm just curious. That, you, that's okay. Screenwriters getting paid is like some sort of fascination that I have. Like I just, some of this stuff doesn't make any sense where screenwriters are getting so underpaid then. And then you have like M. Night Shyamalan who can sell like six cents or no, not six cents. That was his first one, but it can shell, sell like um signs for like 10 million dollars can just sell the script for that much money and he still gets to direct it like that's just insane amounts of money so i I find that very fascinating what people get paid for um sometimes you have a middleman who's buying everyone's scripts and then selling them off like it's just it actually is kind of fascinating some people um some writers have never been credited on a script and have done so much work, they just sell their scripts for thousands of dollars, and yeah. that's how they live. Yeah. And they then someone rewrites them, right? And like that's just they've never actually been on a movie. Mm-hmm. They've never actually been credited on a movie, but they've written so many scripts that have been become movies. Yeah, it's just Hollywood's fascinating. It is that for whole sure. that whole industry is just kind of fascinating. How all yeah. those creative people are just trying to get work, and um, this is where I come back to Danny O.B. Where if this guy could have directed this movie. I think he could have been, his life would have been a lot different than what it is now, um, yeah. where you said he, he would have got more credit. He doesn't have a lot of big credits. Yeah. Um, so when he, he hooked up with Brandywine, that's where that happened. They got three guys who were like, let's rewrite this, let's rewrite this. And he said constantly, their rewrites are not even improvements. Like they actually make it worse. So we fought like, we fought at every turn. They came up with a couple of good things. They came up with Ash. So like Ash wasn't around. This, this Android wasn't around until... Um, until that production company came in to play but i think this is as a writer you got to sell your script and then you got to kind of you know be okay with what the company's doing well i think i i think he knew what he was getting into exactly Uh, it's not not great it's not really fair but it's his second script that he sold like it's his first script that he sold it's his second script he's written the first one 
was his, you know, his student film. Yeah. So he's okay probably to sell it. Um, so yeah. It, uh, Maybe he's got like a residual plan as well. Maybe he's, you know, who knows? Probably he, not. But He thinks he's going to direct the movie. Yeah. That's why he's selling the script. Mm-hmm. So Fox puts it, puts it on the back burner because they don't want to finance a science fiction movie. Um, so at that time, when Alien is ready to go, they're like, okay, like uh, Brandywine, which is an affiliate of Fox, has bought it. And so they bring it up to Fox and they're like, we bought it. We bought, we got the script for you. And they're like, okay, cool. We're not financing that right now. Really? Yeah. I thought their whole plan was to try to... That's uh, not... That wasn't the plan. I thought it was to try to make a, make a footprint in the sci-fi. Eventually. But first, when they bought the script, when Brandywine bought the script and brought it to Fox, Star Wars hadn't happened yet. Okay. So they were... Fair enough. They were, boop, no. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, back burner, we'll wait. Star Wars comes out in 1977, blows up at the box office, $11 million budget, same budget for mm-hmm. Star Wars. Insane. Yeah. They make over $300 million. Mm-hmm. So Fox is desperate for a science fiction movie after that happens. So they look at what they got on their stack of science fiction, mm-hmm. one movie. That's mm-hmm. all they have in their stack of science fiction scripts. Yeah. So they're like, okay, let's go. Alien, we're doing Alien, we're doing it right now. Well, science, sci-fi wasn't big at that time. No. Right? You had, it wasn't a moneymaker. Yeah, it wasn't. Right? Yeah, it wasn't a moneymaker, and there wasn't a lot of stuff happening in that yeah. genre. So I can see that. Yeah. This is this is kind of where... They weren't, studios didn't see them as, as big moneymakers. Like, Star Trek happened in the 60s, in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. That was ahead of its time. I think it, it, it was too early to hit with people. Yeah. I mean, there was no reason why that shouldn't have continued on for many more seasons, but it, it got canceled. Yeah. But that show was incredible. Yeah. And I just think it, yeah, it just was too early. Yeah. Too early. I actually think, which is... It happens to lots of I lots don't of know. I didn't live in that time. You didn't? No. But you're too close to a, an actual world war where it's like sci-fi seems silly. It's almost like movies that came out close to 9-11... It's just like, we can't really make a movie about some some rich guy who's sad about his life. We can't make that because people actually suffered in our, in our country. So we can't just make a movie about some guy who has it fine, who lives far away from New York and is just sad because he has a lot of money. Like, I'm thinking of, like, American Beauty. Mm-hmm. That movie can't be made after 9-11 because that's, his problems are... Who cares? Yeah. Who cares about his problems after that happened? Right. And so I think like 60s are a little too close to world wars. Maybe. Perhaps. Where it's like people aren't quite ready to uh, to think about it in that way. To think of sort of like the... the although you're going to the moon around that time, Lots of people right? are looking for ways to escape yeah. too. But, but I don't know. I'd say that's a great point that you bring up. Yeah. I don't know why it failed. Uh, yeah. I, I just think it was sometimes things hit at a time where they're not people aren't ready for it so that the war absolutely could have contributed to it people could have been focused more on other things yeah but yeah it's really a decade after that that sci-fi takes off oh totally so it's not like and then it's everything then it's then it just keeps going it's not like star trek star trek hits and then it you know it's quiet for a couple years but people realize yeah that was something it's like a it's a whole decade before it hits again yeah Star Wars kind of owns it, right? They yes. just own the sci-fi. People try things, but no one can quite get to that level, can mm-hmm. quite get to the Star Wars level, which is 
like George Lucas, as much as he's you know done wrong by his own franchise, is kind of a genius. Oh, 100%. for those movies, like unbelievable how he how sci-fi wasn't even a thing, and he he makes an eleven million dollar budget. Yeah, he makes a sci-fi movie which is going to be a lot similar to what we're going to talk about today, where he makes a sci-fi movie that's dirty. Mm-hmm. Like, where people are... Not everything's pristine, and everything's where everyone's wearing right. jumpsuits. It's dirty. It's scummy. It's our world, just on other planets. Yeah. And this hits. Yeah. This is what hits with everyone, because they can connect to this. They can't connect to this. Everybody wears the same thing in the future. Everyone's wearing the silver jumpsuit. They can't connect to that. Yeah. But this they can. Right. And Alien does that as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, just to get back to um, the end of sort of O'Bannon, where he they, they get a four, $4.2 million budget. Fox gives them at this point. They're ready to go with the movie. And Brandywine wants to find a director. They don't want O'Bannon, who thought he was going to be able to direct the movie. They want someone else. Um, he inputs, they, they throw out a couple names, and he says, no, no, no. I, I need someone who's going to take it seriously. I don't want someone who's making a slasher, teen slasher movie. I need someone who's going to take this movie seriously. And um, they get on, that's when they get on Ridley Scott. And Ridley Scott is 100% on board. He snatches it up right away. Storyboards the entire movie. Comes back to Fox. Shows them it. They double his budget immediately after seeing his storyboards. Um and then boom, that boom. starts his career as a storyboard artist. That start that starts his career. He's off from there, and that's uh, so that's how Ridley Scott sort of gets the reins to Alien, and how Danny Danny O kind of uh, gets forgotten. I love it. Thanks for showing that. Yeah, I feel I feel so close to Danny O B and Shusit right now, dude. I I wanna. I, I want to. I feel like them. I want to hug them. I know. I want to hug them I and just deliver say thank hugs. you. Yeah. Thank you for the greatest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And like I said, no disrespect to Ridley Scott. He is one of my favorite directors. I love his movies, and I love this movie. But but Danny O. B. Danny O. B. <laughs> Danny O. B. Um, deserves a lot of credit. Yes. Just going for this movie and coming up with. Everything that makes this movie great. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that really. There's a lot of things when he when Ridley Scott got the script that he had to deal with. Um, like every single character was unisex. That's right. There was it no didn't matter if it was male or female. There was no male or female. I love that though. I love that idea. Unbelievable idea. Great idea. It doesn't matter. And as you watch this movie, it doesn't matter. And and, and good on Ridley Scott for making that main character. A yes. Woman. Great Amazing. job. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, at that time to mm-hmm. have a powerful female lead and, and taking that chance, right? That could have blown up in his face for sure, but it for surely did not. Yeah. So that that's if great. this if this was like great choice by Ridley Scott to be like this woman in seventy nine. That's the hero of my movie. Great. Well, we're coming to the close of the episode here, so why don't we get started with the story? <laughs> Are we really getting the close? We have so much, so many more notes. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. If it's good, I mean, you're, you're doing a good job so far. So if it, it continues to be good, then we'll we'll keep going. But, <laughs> okay, right. you're, you're, ready to, you're ready. You're ready. Like that's <laughs> it. That's all you needed to know. <laughs> I, I like I like where we're at right now. Great. As um, a close to the the episode, but no, we'll keep going. We'll keep, okay. I'm just, I'm just kidding. 
I don't. Well, let's I, get to the story. Okay, let's get to the story. Should we do? Should we just lay out a like a great plot summary of the whole story? Let's pretend. Yeah. Hypothetically, mm-hmm. that our listeners have never seen this movie. Okay. Which is possible. Yeah. So let's give give the real high level, super fast breakdown of the story, and then we'll go from there. But let's okay. just let's lay out the story in a in a short short format. Okay, so if we lay out the story in a short, short format, which is not what I have written down, um, we go with... Uh, well, what do you have written down? The, the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, we can't we can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because this, is, this is, is... We started this out as... This episode would not be a multi-episode podcast. But then Danny O.B. Danny O.B. happened. I didn't know that Danny O.B. My main man. Was going to deserve hugs. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, what what do you, what do you are you wanting to lay out the whole story? No, it's fine. We can get into that because it's also fine if you do. No, we can get into that when we talk about the movie. I I can give a, a sort of overall view of the movie. Okay. Um, you can jump in anytime if I no go ahead. Skipped over you something. can do it. You'll but, be fine. Um, so I I feel like I should. If it's your favorite movie of all time, <laughs> I shouldn't have to jump in here. Uh, see, this that's. Is, this is to get the get the the bright lights on yeah. you right now because don't screw this up. That's why I'm so detailed in my plot summary because this is the greatest movie of all time and I need all these details. Mm. But if we're well, going, which way should we go here then? We're going with the overview. Okay. We'll talk about the details later when we talk about the movie. Okay. Like like next week when we re- no re- how deep are we into this podcast right now? <laughs> I don't know. Several hours it feels like. <laughs> we're not even an hour. No, we're not at an hour. Okay, we're close. Good. We're running close. Really? Yes. I'm in the, I'm in, I, we haven't even got to the movie yet. Okay. I know. I know. Okay. Then let's just get to the movie. The, the overall idea here is, um, there's a, I get, we've kind of already gotten to it by explaining sort of Danny O.B.'s, um, idea and, and Schuster's idea for Schuster. <laughs> I'm all over the place today. Um, Schuster's idea for, for this movie. So you open and you have, a spaceship and it's a crew of people who uh who have been awakened from their sleep they're in hypersleep quickly you notice that they are they've been awakened before they are they're 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 sitting down and they're ready to go to earth and they're looking for their solar system and it's not it's not their solar system they've been awoken too quickly and it's because that there's been this call this this beacon call from a planet um, that could be an SOS. They're not sure. And in their contracts, great thing I love about this movie, in their contracts, they have to go investigate if there's any sort of call like that. Um, otherwise, they have to forfeit all their money. They have to forfeit their shares of their bonuses and whatever it is that they're working for. So they got to do it. So they're going to go investigate this call. And these are people that are nervous about it. Uh, they take the plane, they land on the planet. They go look for uh, where this call is coming from. It's this big, old spaceship. And they they walk into it. They come upon a sort of, you know, forest of eggs. And one of the eggs, something pops out of it and attaches itself to one of the um, explorer, one of, one of the astronauts. And they got to rush him back to the ship because they got to get him into the, the sick bay and they got to figure out what's going on they got to get this thing off his face so they they rush him back to the ship he's on the ship 
He's in rough shape for a while. This thing seems to be keeping him alive, and then all of a sudden he's fine. All of a sudden it's gone. He's okay. Uh, but he's not okay. This alien bursts out of his chest, and now this alien is on their ship. It bursts out of his chest, runs away, and now it's on their ship, and this whole crew has to deal with this alien life form on the ship they know nothing about who seems to be wanting to kill them, wanting to harm them. And so it's sort of, they go looking for it in different, um, at different parts in the movie. It's killing them off as it encounters them. They want to shoot it out the airlock. That's the whole plan is we got to corner it, shoot it out the airlock. During all this time, it, uh, it kills a bunch of them. And uh, sort of in the middle, there's a, there's a little bit about the company that sent them kind of wanted them to find this life form. The crew, as they say, is expendable in the movie. And as long as this life form can get back to Earth. Um, so it becomes that they just gotta, they just gotta kill, kill the alien and get out of there. And so they set the ship to self-destruct. And that's going to be the plan. Set the ship to self-destruct, get on the shuttle, get out of there. And they blow up the ship. And uh, then we have the final scene. So I don't know if we want to get into the final scene, but that's basically no, that's the overview of the movie. final scene. Yeah. Not yet. Okay. Uh, but yes, very good. Good overview. So I'll let you continue on from there, where, mm-hmm. where you, wherever you want to go. Sure. That's the overview of the movie. Um, I just want to get, like, I just want what to get What do you want to talk about here? I want to get into the movie now. I want to get yeah. into, like, what I love about the movie, what you love about the movie. I want to hear when did, I actually just want to hear when you saw this movie. Okay. What what your first experience is about the movie and what you feel about the movie. Because we know me. We know that it's my number one. It's my greatest of all time. I want to know where you stand with the movie. Great. Do you want to just real quickly before that go over the cast? I have cast right up on my screen right now. Right now? Yep. Do, let's just do that yep. real quick. Yep. Do the story, do the cast, and then we'll go into how I feel about it. Okay. And, and uh, so I, I'll, just, I'll just take it right here because uh, cast, again, this is just something that is high up there for me. Of what I love about this movie. Um, it's, uh, for the most part, a bunch of ragtags, right? bunch of ragtags and a bunch of old ragtags. Yeah. For a horror movie in this time, um, even in now, and like now nowadays, a horror movie is a bunch of teens, a bunch of young adults who want to go on an adventure and run into something bad. Yeah. And end up getting killed. This, these aren't teens. No. These aren't young adults. These are working class adults. Yeah. Guys, and all these people cast are from, like, I, the, the two women are in their 20s and maybe just, like, late 20s, just early 30s. But all the men are in their 40s, 50s. These are people, and, and like, that. that's the that's the vibe the, the movie wants to have, is that these are workers. Yeah. Like, well, short of um, John Hurt. Yeah. Who plays Kane. Yeah. Who is uh, the one who the alien bursts out of his chest. Yeah. Nobody else is really known very well as an as an actor or actress at the time. No. So he he is a big name though. At the time Scarrett is a little bit Scarrett is too, yeah. Because he's he's top build in the movie. Um and he's in like a bunch of TV like TV apps before this. He's a he's kind of a TV guy before this. So he's He's pretty well known, but yeah. John Hurt was the big name. And this was an interesting thing where he was the first to go in the yeah. movie. He was the first to get killed. So it was one of those situations that really hadn't happened before. 
So people would have seen John Hurt and expected him to be the hero of the movie or at least last a long time. Yeah. And they killed him off number one. Yeah. That would have been a bit odd back at the time. And the lone survivor at the end of the movie is her first leading role. Yeah. Like you would not expect this. That's like this movie's trying to throw you off. Yeah. So your your big name, John Hurt, is the first to die and your unknown is the only one to live at the end. I, I really feel like it adds to the terror because when you have a big name like that, um, you're you as a viewer are, are able to latch a hold of that person and have an understanding with the movie mm-hmm. that, he, that this person is not going to die. Yeah. If you watch an Indiana Jones movie, you can go into that knowing he's not going to die. Mm-hmm. No matter the trials and tribulations he's going through, you're you're never really that much on edge yeah. because you're comfortable with the knowledge that he does not die in these movies. Yeah. So you come to this movie and you've got your leading man and he's the first to go. Yeah. You no longer have someone to affiliate with or to to feel like everything is safe. Everything's going to be sure. okay yeah. because John Hurt is going to kill the alien at the end. Yeah. So I love that yeah. as a device for further terrorizing the audience. For sure. And the and it's sort of the great thing this is that this movie does is it creates this atmosphere where you don't really know exactly why, but you keep slowly getting more anxious and more anxious. So you have this you have this scene where you have John Hurt who's who's got the face hugger on him and this is horrifying, right? And you're getting more anxious and more anxious. But then you're like, oh, it's okay, though. I still got scared. I still got the captain who's who's going to be okay. He's going to save the day. And then, you know, um, Harry Dean Stanton's character, who's Brett, you know. I love Brett. Brett's great. Brett's my favorite. Brett's great. But one of the engineers, right? One of the guys who works on the deck. Oh, he's the know, lowest. Works on the lowest denominator. deck. He's going next. Okay, I get this movie now. He's going next. He's going next. Okay, it's no problem. And then Tom Skerritt next one dead is your captain of the ship right yeah which is amazing for this movie to take in where you're like i don't know what we're supposed to do now i don't know where this is going now yeah my number one my my you know john hurt who's the the big name dies right away and yeah. then tom scarrett my top build guy's gone yeah well, who who's flying the fucking ship at this point like, <laughs> yeah. does anybody know how to fly this ship exactly what are what, we doing here what are they doing now? yeah what who do we are do the, yeah who are the people left yeah it's it, it just keeps that you never, it's the feeling of this movie that I love. The, the, yeah. the movie gives me this, it's so slow paced. You know, it's just, it just takes its time. Yeah. It makes you feel like it could be really happening. Like, yes. So hold on. Yeah. I think I'm getting excited. You're getting excited. You're, um, you're actually standing on your chair right now, uh, which is why I think I'm going to pull it and, back a little bit. Waving my hand. I, I don't know what you're, what you're about to do next, but I'm scared. But my shirt's off. Yeah, you're, well, I mean, we, none of it's us, so neither of us are wearing shirts. It's so hot in here. But we were talking about the cast, and I think we just got a little bit further than the cast. But we yeah. were going to talk about the cast, and yeah. we we're going to talk about my initial thoughts. thoughts on the movie. So, my thoughts on the movie mm-hmm. are as follows. Your thoughts on the movie are as follows. Here they are. I was very young. Uh, eight, let's just say eight, eight years old. And I was friends with my friend. And our older brother was friends with his older brother. 
Oh yeah. And this okay. movie had come out okay. on they had it on beta. What is beta? I know what, what is beta. Is. <laughs> beta Beta Max is the at wow. the time was like touted as better than VHS. Did we have a beta m- machine? Did we have a beta player? We didn't, but they okay. did. They, they did. did. Okay. So okay. beta was more expensive than VHS. Okay. But it was the type of thing where not a lot of places carried beta. Yeah. It was like the battle. It was like who's going to win, beta right. or VHS? It's the HD DVD. Yes. Right. Yeah. Blu-ray killed that. Well, it was almost like well, what's a what's another example? Like maybe Laserdisc versus DVD. Like yeah, they, okay, kind of yeah, came yeah, out yeah. at the same time. Yeah, Laserdisc right. was a better. Yeah, uh, it was better. It was better quality. Okay, okay, but not nobody really like latched on to it or mm-hmm. didn't get accepted the way. It, anyways, like Betamax. Yeah. Anyways, they had a Betamax machine, and the older <laughs> brothers tried to get us, the younger brothers, to watch Alien, and we were terrified. We don't want to do it. So they kept trying to trick us into it. So they'd sit us down for movie night and say, <laughs> okay, you guys ready? We're going to watch Star Wars. Right. And then they, okay, let's do that. And then the movie starts. Alien. And the, it's, the movie from second one is terrifying. Oh, yeah. The intro of like the alien, just the, the word, the alien coming in, the sound and the music. So they would keep trying to put that on. And as soon as it would come, we would run out of the room. Like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want, we don't want to be involved in this. And I think we even gave it a chance at one point yeah. and tried to watch some of it. Yeah. And I remember being so utterly terrified as a child yeah. that it was disturbing. Yeah. I was so frightened. Yeah. I was not physically capable of watching this movie. I had never seen anything like it. It was too real. It was too real. It was too scary. And nothing was even happening. Yeah. It was just the atmosphere that totally. was scary. Because totally. in the first however long, nothing happens. It's you waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Using your imagination because that's what's what what they're presenting to you. That yeah, was my so that was my early experience with it. Mine, um, very similar to you. Um, not that anyone was trying to force me to watch it, but perhaps it was the influence of our older brother just being so into it. But I was terrified of it. And I think the only things I have in my mind of it are the poster and I don't even know if I knew what the alien looked like. I just know I was scared of whatever it was, whatever that movie had to present. I was scared of, I'd had nightmares of alien without knowing, without knowing anything about it. Well, they never showed the alien in the previews. No, I I had never seen it. I I think the egg, which was nothing right. I I think that scared me. Um, The music. I think it's the music. Yeah. If, I feel like if you watch the visual of the word alien coming up and you see an egg, it might not be all that scary. Yeah. But the music in this movie yeah. is bone chilling. Totally. It's terrifying. And they hit you right away with just and slowly. All, all throughout. Slowly revealing like the word alien at in that opening. I was just watching it and I'd be like, I'm mesmerized and I could watch this forever. This could just keep spelling words on the screen and I'm in. I'm just watching it. Yeah, right. Um... Yeah, so that my my I have the same type of thing where I was just kind of scared of it and stayed away from it, um, until one day I had I realized that I sort of never watched any of these movies, and I was really getting into movies and really wanted to watch all the greatest all the greatest movies of all time, um, so I went and I bought the Blu-ray um, pack of the the four Alien movies for way cheap like it was on a great deal 
and we, you and I, were at some family wedding, some cousin wedding. And I mentioned to you, we're sitting at the same table, sitting beside each other, and I just mentioned to you that I had bought this. Mm. I was 20, mid-20s, um, and I said, you said, oh, great, you know, great buy. That's awesome. That's a great deal. And I said, yeah, I've never seen them before. And you were shocked. I remember you, that now. You said, what? Yeah, You've seen never them. seen them before? Yeah. You need to go home tonight and put in number one and watch it. You have to watch it. You will love it. Did you and take my advice? I took your advice. Well, it wasn't that night of the wedding. It was the next day. Okay, that's pretty it good. It was the Sunday. I threw in Alien. I watched it. And immediately, I was thinking, greatest movie of all time. I was really? Thinking, this eh? is First my viewing? This is my favorite movie. Right away. This hit me. This is everything I want in a movie. Mm. Um, and then, like, I had the pack. So then I threw in alien, Aliens. And I was like, oh, like also great so like yeah. let's just keep going with this yeah um yeah so it it was I, I just vividly remember that it was it was something you had said to me where you were like how have you not seen that before you need to go now you need to leave this wedding and go watch that movie. <laughs> you need to do that and it was it I, upon first watching it was just it was my favorite great yeah well, that's awesome that your first viewing you kind of knew Right it away. just hits you like that. And it, it's That's in, how a number one movie should be. Yeah. It hits you. It, the first time you see it, it hits you as the number one. For sure. And it's interesting for me. Um, I, I've gotten into like Letterboxd recently where you can, you know, it's a social media app with movies basically. And you can create lists and you can rank movies. And I have a top 25 list that has 35 movies in it because they just keep switching for me i just keep throwing different things in but i want to keep all those 35 in there because it's going to keep switching places um aliens my one though aliens my one on that list and locked in after watching i watched the thing um recently month ago after watching that movie i was thinking uh oh aliens in trouble it is it should the be in trouble. thing is great yeah. alien is in trouble yeah um so re-watching alien for this podcast still the best came out on top still came out on top still and it and went, it's not it went head to head with the thing and came out on top right? and it's not that so the thing the, the interesting thing is it's not that i can put one against the other and be like yep alien is does the job better than the thing does they're different. not the case they're, they're different. different yeah it's the feeling i get from alien where every single second i love i love that it takes them five whole minutes to land their spacecraft on the planet mm -hmm. this is real life mm -hmm. this is it we we've been woken up from our sleep we have to land our spacecraft on this planet that's not the easiest thing to do right like maybe we don't know what this planet has we don't know what the train is so let's well that when they land they shit goes awry like they're, 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 they're things are exploding breaks. And the <laughs> ship basically breaks. breaks it's incredible it's not <laughs> they just like landed on some rocks it's it not this it's not this high-tech future like we talked about earlier it's not this high-tech future where it's like let's land on the planet done we're on the planet let's go stuff on the planet is what matters no landing on the it's planet realistic. is what matters it's, they're a towing ship yeah meant for towing in they're, space they're working class they're prob people probably not good in a space shootout battle no and they're also not good at landing on planets no they're not all just superheroes out in space like they're they're not all just these you know these people who are have been bred for combat or whatever they, they don't know what they're getting into they thought they were hauling things they went and picked something up on a planet and they're bringing it back that's what they think but in their contract it says you have to go investigate this I mean, that's already horrific. 
like already I'm thinking, oh, I don't really want to go on another planet. It seems like it's kind of you're in this world where space travel is okay. Like like space travel is just like how life is, but also that it's not super high tech. Mm-hmm. You have these like these screens that that you're following to land and it's very like mm-hmm. 2D images, right? It's very 80s computer screen. Yes. Which I love. Yeah. Like this is they got to use this system to land their plane. They mess up their they mess up their spacecraft. That's right. They can do deep space travel, but their they don't navigation know what to do. systems look like nineteen eighties. Yeah, or ni- I guess nineteen seventies computer graphics because yeah. that's what they had. Exactly. Right? I, I just I just love. But that. it works. Yeah, it, works. it totally works. And I love all the dialogue in this movie that feels real. Like we're just I think we're just skipping and getting into the movie now. <laughs> but oh no, we for sure are doing that. Okay, I just I just love that all this dialogue is like. This is just how it feels like you, if you were part of this crew and all of a sudden you're woken up and they're having breakfast and they're all just like, hey, hey, oh, about our extra shares, um, we, we think we should get equal to you guys. Mm-hmm. And everyone said, you know, you signed a contract and you get what you, you've signed for. You can't just negotiate. You get um, what you get and you, you, get you don't you, get upset. Yeah, you don't get upset about it. Oh, but we all... preschool. We... <laughs> We also got to go to the planet because we got this distress call. That's why we've been woken up. And it's it, the feeling. It's the feeling of every moment in this movie. I want it to take its time. Every minute of this movie is how I feel like it would be yeah. if we went out yes. and were in this position and this ha- situation happened to us yeah. without any prior knowledge to aliens or a movie if our job was as a deep space towing operation if this happened you wouldn't you wouldn't be concerned going to search a signal well you would be concerned when one of your crew members comes back and there's something attached to his face yeah but you wouldn't be like our entire crew is in danger you'd be like this is really kind of fucked up and we should try to get this off his face yeah Oh, it, we try to pull it off and it's like bleeding acid on us. Oh, what do we do? Well, let's try to figure it out, right? He's still alive. Yeah. He's still breathing. Okay, so he's... What do we do? And then the thing crawls off his face. Oh, well, okay. He's, he's fine. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, he's okay. He, he's out still, but, you know, well, okay, let's just see, see what happens. And, oh, yeah. he's good. He's better, right? Yeah. That's this is great. A, this is a world... Everything is better. This is a world where alien life forms aren't shocking, right? Like, it's just like they... We know that there's alien life forms out there, and if ever anything, anytime anyone gives a signal, we gotta go investigate mm-hmm. that. So that's kind of why it's like, oh, you know what? Oh, oh, this thing bleeds acid. Like, okay, we gotta back off. We don't know anything about this. Like, we right? Gotta... We know aliens exist yeah. because uh, they call it a xenomorph, which is um, sometimes it's mis- mistaken for the name of this alien. Okay, yeah. But a xenomorph is known as an alien creature. Right. So okay. when they're saying this is a ze- it's a xenomorph, right. that means it's like an alien it's body. Just an alien it's just a general okay. alien life yeah. form. So th- having them say that, we know that they know about aliens yeah. and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So so this movie we talk about this movie sort of moving slowly and taking its time, and you really get to like get into the characters. Like everyone's kind of there's no like you talk then you talk then this guy talks like everyone's talking at once like in these scenes like it's just it's real like it's really like what breakfast would feel like with the crew or or when you had to make a decision about going to 
visit this planet. That's like people are yelling over top. People of don't the like each other. They're people people arguing. They're just and working. They're coworkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's this dynamic that just like gets me full into it. Like the first hour, which nothing happens in the first hour, I'm loving it. Like this is my favorite hour of a yeah, movie. I love it. I like the second half. I like the second hour. I love it because it's also like it's what it's leading up to. But that first hour, <laughs> when we're just like, we're blue blood guys who are just like working on a ship. I, I want this to go on forever. Like this is everything yeah. I want in this movie. And mm. it's the feeling it gives me. It's all been working up to the terror. Because you feel relaxed in that first hour. And you feel like you know these people. And you, I can now see myself on that ship. Mm. I don't know. I just, every minute of this movie is the greatest for me. Okay. So we're running a bit long here. This is going to need to be a two-parter. So we'll catch everybody next week where Dean tries to wrap up why this is the best movie of all time. And let's see if he can convince us. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.